Hi, I'm Tara. Welcome to Scratching the Surface, where we talk all things real. Please subscribe and feel free to connect with me on my Instagram at BehindTheRainbow7 or on my Facebook page at WeRainbowOils. I would love to hear your feedback. Love and light to you all. Hello um, to all my brand new listeners to my brand new podcast, uh, Scratching the Surface. I originally was going to call it Tara's Truths and then I had a bit of a chat with, well I was throwing it about to everybody, I was asking what they thought and you know just asking for a bit of feedback and everything and it was actually a lovely partner's dad who had that idea because it seems like everything that I'm passionate about and I really want to talk about and I, you know, I just can't give over about the things that I'm sending extremely long voice notes to my friends and family and people that know me or that will listen to me. Um, it seems to be like just scratching the surface of like the real issues or the crux of it. So that's where that came from. So thank you, Enda. Since I went on the girls, it is what it is podcast, I've had honestly about 30 messages saying, please do one of your own. Like I didn't want it to end. And although I've thought about doing one since last summer, I just, I, well, to be honest, I never felt ready or up to it or I didn't have enough energy or I knew I had so much to say. I know I have, I'm so passionate about so many things, but I just didn't think it was going to come across as well as I wanted it to, or as well as it could if I did it at that time when I was still a bit, probably sad, shocked, probably still a bit feeling sorry for myself. I don't know. So I asked Stephen what what is the main reasons that I should do a podcast like why would I do that or like what would listeners be really expecting of me then and he said that I bloody love talking like I could talk for Ireland Um, I do think that is one of my main things you know I know you say it on a job application oh good communicator but like I literally am I mean I feel like I could talk to anybody from any walk of life and I would be able to have empathy for them you know and I think that's like one of my best qualities to be honest then he also said that I like helping others so I feel like that's my purpose now like I actually could have and should have died last year I literally was maybe a month away from having like a big brain hemorrhage um, the tumor was just so big that it was gonna start exploding or whatever. Do I? I feel like I'm only still here because I need to share my message. And then the third one I said was that I would like to change even one person's view of the world. I'm so passionate, and that I feel that there is need for change. So whether that's around about the world around us 
whether that's about people's mindset, whether that's about mental health and attitudes towards that. Here we are. I'm finally getting right to it. So excited to have you all with me. Thank you and stay tuned. I grew up in Ballycastle, a lovely little seaside town, the very north coast of Ireland. I'm really lucky. It is a really pretty area. It's really nice and calm and quiet. Amazing for, you know, raising families and good schools and everything. Um, but unfortunately, when I was growing up, I just didn't really realise that. And you just think you want to be anywhere else. You want to get away to the big smoke. You want to get away and see the world. Um, at least I did anyway when I was that bit younger. But I suppose that's what my podcast is going to be all about, how I've come full circle. Yeah, I was actually born into a council house council estate uh, right in the middle of the town. I am absolutely not ashamed to say that. Um, I am so, 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 so proud of my parents, just how they turned everything around for themselves, for us, for me. Um, There was me, my mom and dad, my uncle Robert and our big cuddly hairy dog bumper so my uncle robert has cerebral palsy right from birth it's my mum's twin so i suppose my earliest earliest memories in my whole life is us we had the tiniest tiniest little garden and i would be sitting i was there as a baby he was there in his wheelchair and then the dog was still a puppy so we kind of grew up together which can you imagine it was very sad when he died when I was a teenager but that's how life started it was really simple really small um I think my parents drove like a micra (laughs) actually whenever I was born my dad didn't even have a driving license my mum forced him to get that um whenever I was probably a baby And that is just so mad to me now because now that I'm not well and I'm not allowed to drive, he like drops everything and drives me anywhere, everywhere, you know, up and down to Belfast, whatever I need, up and down to Dublin. (laughs) I think that's where my life experience and my resilience begins. I mean, I was born into a household straight out I just understood and knew and respected and wasn't scared of disability of being different of different ways of living you know I have actually met people now that they are in their 30s they're in their 30s and they have never ever met somebody with a disability whether it's that they use a wheelchair or they have you know, special educational needs. And I just think, oh my goodness, like, what a shame for you. Like, for them adults that are just so sheltered or so privileged that they've never had the experience of, like, growing up in a home like that, you know, where it's it's very, it is difficult. It's, 
it's challenging but I feel like it has made me the person I am today and I absolutely would not change a thing oh my uncle Robert is hilarious he just he just the things he talks about and the things he cares about is just the way that everybody should be and it's just he does he cracks me up and he's just so loving and it's just so simple you know we moved up, up to the farm when I was only like four, um, which was amazing. So, so lucky, so blessed. Um, my brother, Zach, was along by that point and he actually had really bad asthma, like really bad, you know, where he had to use the inhalers and everything all the time. And we moved up to the farm, up to the countryside. There is a forest right across the road from ours and, you know, fields and rivers and stuff just down in front of our house and within a couple of years completely cured no no more inhalers completely cured he doesn't have asthma now I just always remember the really fun adventures that we would have we would be out round the forests and down the river and digging up eels and worms and everything all the time dad would take us fishing we would actually really be made believe that we were on some like really important nature trail or we had to solve some mysteries and you know really our imaginations were really peaked like we really had that good interaction as children with our parents and with my uncles and stuff that were really into art and spirituality and all these good kind of things. But of course, you grow up and you just kind of forget all that or you kind of forget your roots or whatever and you think like you're a big girl and you have to go and spread your wings and see everything else. And, you know, it's just funny now to think of like it really is just coming full circle. I just went to the local school. Um, that was the primary and the secondary. Um, and to be honest, the reason I didn't bother doing the 11 plus, the big fancy exam to get into a grammar school is because I have really bad car sickness. And I was just like, as if I'm going on a bus half an hour at least away for a secondary school. <laughs> like in primary school, I was always quite accelerator or whatever but I did I just didn't care um and then through secondary school I started getting really into wanting to work with children or people or you know at that age you just don't know don't sure you don't but I knew from having my uncle living with us that I was good with making people with something different or with a hard time feel good. I knew that I was a very empathetic person because of the home that I lived in and grew up in. I went on and did my A-levels, went on to university and, you know, I, <laughs> when I was doing my A-levels, my parents were just freaking out because all I wanted to do was make sure I got out to the discos on a weekend. Um, 
I wanted to be out seeing friends and I like was adamant I was getting my driving test because oh you have me dragged away out to this farm you know of course like moody teenager so then my dad he did a deal with me for my A-levels he said right Tara like you're literally just gonna well, I think his exact word you're gonna piss your grades up the wall at this point I will do a deal with you if you get an A I'll give you 300 pound if you get a B I'll give you 100 pound and if you get anything below that you're not I don't, I'm not giving you anything like because you're well capable of A's because whenever they were trying to push me that's just me I just zone out and nearly feel like the pressure and feel like right well now there's expectations on me so now I'm not my coursework was always very good um like English and stuff I didn't really ever have to try too much oh I was such a nerd I got the cup <laughs> I got the cup in in GCSE year for English the cup from the whole school and here I am now after my brain surgery I can't even spell or read really then I yeah I did I, I got my three A's my dad was second and, and I got one thousand pound off him cash to take off to university with me so that was fab um then yeah I went to uni I was supposed to go to Belfast I was supposed to go to Queen's University with my three A's all my teachers were telling me that's what I should do and that would be you know the most prestigious thing place and everything that I could do and I just decided no I think I need to get away I want to get away and I'm going to England I didn't really care where but um, I actually, because my grades weren't that good in my mocks, because who is going to actually revise for mocks whenever you have coursework to do? I didn't have time for that. Um, I knew I was going to actually do the work for my, my A-levels, so I ended up getting predicted lower than I should have, and I got rejected from different universities uh, Manchester and Newcastle but really strange again I went and did my postgrad in Manchester I did my PGCE there a few years later so all works out as it's meant to but yeah so I got to Liverpool with a scholarship um I got uh, I can't even remember it was like a few hundred and then that bumped up and up every year um for the three years and they were so silly because they they put an installment in in June so that was me like me and my best friend Claire were away off on our trips and holidays with these with this scholarship money um obviously I was going to use that for my summer trips I wasn't buying books with so went to Liverpool had the absolute best time I lost somebody very, very, very dear to me when I was just in first year, uh, which absolutely broke my heart. And I ended up coming home just the rest of the year. I just did my work from home. I didn't go back to Liverpool. I just couldn't really face it. I was in a really dark place. I was only 18 at the time. It was, it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, and would you believe it was bloody cancer that took him? Just so ironic.
there we go that's another thing that has just added to my resilience I always thought I wanted to be a psychologist I'm really interested in the mind in psychology as a subject but I walked into my first lecture and it was all science 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 and I waited till the break and I sprinted up to the front office and said I'm not doing that course that's science and maths and that is I am not doing three years of that so I because I did have the scholarship I was able to just change there and then um so I changed to early childhood studies and youth studies youth work um which was definitely the right call for me. Now, I didn't really know at the time and I didn't even really know for a couple of years after. I was really feeling a bit lost or a bit like, oh, what is this stupid degree? Like, it's so random. I can't get a specific job, you know, unless you go on and do play therapy or you go on and do social work or something but I eventually did my PGCE and eventually did some work with charities and yeah it all worked out really well I've had so 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 much amazing experience I've worked for charities working with disabled children and young people I've worked as an activity leader I've worked as a really fun summer camp leader, outdoor recreation staff. I've worked in care homes, you know, residential youth group homes um, and individualized group homes with foster kids. I've worked with children in poverty, I've worked with children and families as identified as in need over the years and I just absolutely love it. I love it. I really, I just thrive on seeing that little tiny spark or that little tiny change. And like, you know, the thing is they're always so subtle and so small that unfortunately the reason I left teaching is because As teachers, you have often 28 to 36 children in your classroom and you don't actually get the time or the energy to really see that or really enjoy that or really celebrate that. It's on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. Um, Which is why I, I did train as a primary school teacher, but I didn't even stick it out for a year. I do love it. I really love being in the classroom and I really love, you know, that size of a group of children. But I nearly feel like, oh, I just want it to be even bigger. I want to reach even more. I just, you know, right now I have so many ideas for what I want to do. I want to reach full nations, you know. Um, I've been away volunteering to India and to Africa. And when I was away, I just... I felt like that was my calling and I thought, right, is this what I need to do? Is this where I need to be? And, you know, I had loads of thoughts in my head of setting up orphanages and setting up, like, safe havens for these children, especially the children that they keep running away from. They're 
orphanages or the safe haven place because they actually find being on the streets more free and more them I suppose more what they want or need from life and that just broke my heart and I you know I really did think for a while that that was what I was going to end up doing but whenever then I did some work with the charities here at home like Bernardo's and Niagara Cedar Foundation I absolutely loved those jobs and like that was way more fulfilling for me to actually you know get to know the families get to know the whole child get to know their little quirks um their stressors and really try to work with them because it's not always what you see in the classroom or it's not always what comes to the surface of what or especially it's not even what children tell you it's actually what they don't tell you is what I really found so I suppose that's just where all my passion really comes from um I just feel so so compelled to stop suffering where it's at especially right from childhood you know the the things that were happening the difficulties that were happening they never wanted that they never wanted a family support worker to be coming out to their home you know these lovely lovely parents are embarrassed they're they're just really in such a hard dark place a lot of them and it's just so rewarding to you know say look I am here and I promise I care I really give a shit so that's just where my whole kind of career started and yeah that's where by the time then I had been away to Australia I was working as an early years room leader over there um and then came back and then I went back to England and then I came back I was chasing something I don't know I didn't know what it was I didn't know what I was running away from I didn't know why I was doing it so my mom ended up getting diagnosed with MS but it was primary progressive MS it wasn't just straight out MS where she might have good and bad days, weeks or months. Meaning that she only went downhill slowly, 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 but steady, steady, steady. So she got diagnosed the year I went off to university. Now, please picture this. My mum flew over with me to go to university to Liverpool we went down around the shops I was living in the city centre and we trekked everything up from you know where's all your little where's all where did we go like Welco's and uh Primark and you know all those kind of places like for my home where me and her carted everything up uh up and down up and down and she was completely energetic lively running about worrying about us there was five of us by that point and then she got this diagnosis that Christmas that I'd went off to university over then the next couple of years 
it was just like such a big shock. It was just, we all didn't really know what to do or think or, I mean, I was only 18. How can you know? Um, I could have regrets, but I was too young. Like I wasn't to know any better. So we all kind of just put our head in the sand. We didn't really deal with it. We just got on. We were used to disability in the house. So it was just going to be another person in a wheelchair, really. But like, no, that is not what it is because you're used to having your mom being really out there and get go getter, which is probably where I get it from, to then being like a really sad, sick, like shell of herself. Um, so that's what we then had to deal with. And now remember, I then had this death in the January that I just, that completely shattered my whole world. So even though we didn't understand what was going on for mom and she was still running around driving, everything was fine at that point, did really quickly go right down. By my graduation, she was on crutches. It was pretty difficult. Um, just fighting, getting into, put, like going into the wheelchair really. But probably within the year or two then that was, she has been in a wheelchair full time since that. Not ideal because you think, your mom is invincible and you think your mom is always going to be able to, you know, do this and that and do these things. But like we always wanted to go travel and go on trips away together. And, you know, now it's just not possible. Um, So that's a big, that was a big, big thing to deal with. But I was just too young. I just didn't, I just couldn't deal with it. Just too many things at one time. So instead, I did what most people in their 20s, because we actually just don't actually know what else to do. We don't know how else to deal with it. And we certainly don't want to talk about it and lose our fun, dirty side. So we just don't deal with it. And then what I have now learned is that it manifests so, so profoundly into physical unrest, physical disease. You know, I posted a little thing on my Instagram recently saying this ease leads to disease. And it is just so true. So true. I can see it in my mum, see it now in myself. I thought this was quite interesting. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. So we're all wondering what's next, what's next, what's next. We're all anticipating, we're all striving for certain things. But whenever we then look backwards, we think, what? Uh, I mean, I've been to every continent except Antarctica. It's ridiculous. I just was go, go, go. I was even planning the next trip when I was on one trip. I wasn't living in the complete now. I wasn't living in the complete essence or experience. I mean, I really loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was, it's, it, it was, it is, it will always be my biggest passion. But I just, 
I really do think back and wonder, was I fully in the moment? Sometimes I think I was. I really, I can still almost bring myself right back to some of those memories and experiences and the people, the weird and wonderful people I met, oh my goodness, in like India, in Africa, in in the Northern Territory of Australia, in Bali, in Cambodia, the road trips I went on in America because I was so young and I just had no shame. I didn't mind or care. I was just like, yeah, great, I'll come along. But you can't do that now. Like, I wouldn't do that now. I would never do that now. I'd be, I would just think a bit more. I would probably would be more worried about my safety. The things I used to get up to, but I'll save that for a whole other episode. I'm going to get my friends on and we will have you in stitches at some of our travel stories, I swear. It's where I go on to last year, the cancer diagnosis. I was living my best life out in Canada. I had met my love my life, lovely boyfriend. We were on cloud nine. Thought we had the whole world in our hands and thought, we could do anything that we wanted and go anywhere that we wanted. All just last winter, I was skiing. I was snowboarding. I tried that for the first time. I was on hikes. I was away camping. Like I was having the best time. And I came home from my mom's 50th birthday at the very, it was just, it was about two weeks before lockdown because I didn't realize that COVID was really going to be like a big deal at that time whenever I flew out. I had an MRI booked because I had been having little small symptoms for years before this, but I just thought they weren't big deal symptoms. They were, you know, I had a a numb hand. I had, I was getting kind of numb all in the left arm and that was really about it. So I went for an MRI just because of mom's history and lo and behold this time last year I got the phone call from my neurologist to say I have a brain tumor which ended up being stage four um, because I had been putting it off for years I did not want to know I just felt like I had too many things, too many places, too many adventures to go on before I would find out something like that, which is so ridiculous now. I just can't even, I just can't even believe it. Like I'm embarrassed even saying that. Um, You know, they told me it's probably MS. Uh, Your mom has MS. It's very prevalent for daughters. Don't worry. Um, We'll just go do an MRI just to rule it out. And I said, nope, I'm not doing that. I am going off to live my life. I'm not ready for that diagnosis right now. I think my mental health was like really not good. I couldn't even go into like the GP for anything small without, you know, if they asked how I was, I literally was breaking down crying. Um, But I refused to take um, antidepressants or anti-anxiety or anything like that, which they really wanted me to do. They were trying to refer me to counselling. And I just, I just, I don't know. I think there was a big stigma around it at that time. Now, remember, this is like 10 years ago. Definitely five years ago, I just 
I just thought like you just get on, you just get on and I went on off traveling a bit more, I went on off doing more jobs, stressing myself out even more, <laughs> worrying about other people even more and yeah it all finally caught up with me but I don't have any regrets, I don't have any sad ill feelings about that, I mean that's that's what my journey took me on and that's what's happened and you know it can't change now and yes maybe my diagnosis could have been different it could have been less scary but it doesn't really matter like it's happened now and I'm just having to live as healthy as I can and live the way that I should have for a lot more years than I have but it's okay I'm getting there. My cancer is a grade four tumor a brain tumor on my right side of my brain really pretty huge so that affects my left side which I am left-handed and that's how I suppose we found it because of the numbness but as I said I did leave it a few years to even go for the MRI so we'll just never know and there's no point in dwelling on it now but if I would have went way back in like 2016 when I could have but I just was too scared I didn't want to know I couldn't deal with it at the time you know it might have been a lower grade tumor it might have been stage two or something but, you know, everything has obviously worked out for a reason and it just means now that I have to go for regular scans for the rest of my life. Um, I'm always, always, always going to have brain cancer. You know, that really, I don't, I still don't really understand that the oncologists, they can't really explain it to me in a way that I can understand. It's just that, you know, with if you have stage four cancer in the body that stage four means that it has spread to other organs so for me grade four brain tumor means that unfortunately it wasn't just that large tumor that my neuro my neurosurgeon was able to remove back last april so he was able to get 90% out. The other 10% was far too dangerous if, you know, that was really close to vital parts of the brain that would have maybe left me like a vegetable. So the last 10% is what they were hoping to eradicate with the treatment. But unfortunately, grade four means that, you know, it was also seeped out into little um other neurons through the brain and I will just always 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 have this to contend with and worry about you know sometimes when I've got a really really sore head I just freak out I'm you know I get really upset I'm crying a lot like I have more good days than bad days but it's just Every single time you have a little headache or you get that dull pain, especially on the side that my tumour is, it just freaks me out, you know? So I'm just really advocating that 
people listen to their own bodies. We start to actually really do body scans and think, "Mm, that just does not feel right and it hasn't for a while. And don't let your doctors just pan you off. Dolly Parton once said, the way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you gotta put up with the rain. And that is exactly what I've learned. You have to go through the sludge and the darkness and the real difficult times. You just have to, to then see the brightness. I want to bring you on a bit of a journey with me. I want you to experience what I've experienced in the last year, that literally there is love and healing energy. It's actually a real thing. I never knew it before the last the last year. This is a real thing that we can tap into. You see when people are sending love out to you or you're getting a big tight hug or someone is sending you like a really kind happy voice note like that actually is energy coming into you if you choose to see it that way and if you choose to accept it and let it in so I'm going to bring you on a journey to hopefully even open the door to possibility for this kind of stuff I mean I did used to think this was all wacky as well I used to really think wow those people are amazing those hippies are living their very best life they are loving their life but that would never be me. Cancer diagnosis has actually changed my life for the better. I have a reason now to stop, pause, really think and care about myself, about people around me, about people that I love, like the actual meaning of life. Like, yes, I was doing all those amazing travels. Yes, I was having the best time ever. Yes, I seen some amazing, amazing places. Yes, I've had so many laughs along the way and I've made so many amazing friends. Oh, I literally probably could stay with somebody in every country of the world by now. You know, if I was going somewhere, I always have a friend to stay with and vice versa. Like they all know they're so welcome with me. It wasn't a healthy lifestyle. I was just living at 100 miles an hour and I just wasn't accepting that I actually did have mental health. I wasn't accepting that I really had a lot of inner work to do. I just realized over the last year how important that is. So my podcast is going to be all about everything I've learned, everything I'm still learning, everything I really, really care so deeply and passionately about. You know, I'm going to be getting guests on every week. Well, sorry, I'm probably going to do mine every two weeks because I do still have like, if I have a good day, I end up seeming to have like two bad days. Like I'm still absolutely in the midst of cancer treatment, cancer realization cancer life so I'm not going to say like oh yeah my tune into my weekly podcast because that would be a lie it's going to be probably every two weeks I hope that's okay but um it's going to be so exciting I already know my first few episodes I'm going to be really focusing in on mental health 
because it is just such a big prevalent issue right now. I just can't believe that it's like this lockdown is going on as long as it is. I can't believe what people are having to go through. I can't believe how many people are actually losing their lives because this is just so hard. It's just so hard. So I just think it's such a perfect time for me to put this out there. I'm going to be getting my lovely friend, Jack, who's a counsellor and psychotherapist on. I'm going to be getting my historian friend, Julie, on, who we're going to talk all about history of mental health. I'll be getting my nurse friends, my doctor friends, to talk about, you know, what they see in hospitals and in their roles. I'm going to be getting on that are in completely different niches and job roles than I could ever understand but isn't that the joy of it I'm going to be getting Cleona she is into renewable energy I just I'm so passionate these days about the world around us about nature about the need for nature to be available to us and literally guys it is going to leave us it is going to burn up all around us if we don't start talking about this if we don't start acting on this friends on to talk about my my past travels different funny experiences different crazy experiences and their experiences and you know I just feel like if I'm totally open transparent and speaking my truth hopefully my friends and guests that come on will feel like they are able to do that too my hope is that you listeners will feel like okay if she can do that and send out the ether for everybody to listen to I can do this with at least my close circle of friends or my family or my partner somebody on about relationships I'm going to get somebody on about the struggle of becoming a new mom somebody on to talk about holistic therapies with me I am obsessed with holistic therapies now I mean I always was really into it and really believed in it yoga would have always been my number one way of exercising and deep breathing and really looking after my body like when I was in Canada I went and did yoga on the beach every week multiple times a week it was just amazing but of course I didn't really fully practice or put these things into daily my daily life but now it's central to my life it's central to my well-being it's central to my survival if I'm honest completely changed my perspective my mindset I just don't know that I'd even still be here if I wouldn't have found all the holistic therapies that I am actively using and care about. I'm currently doing an aromatherapy course online. I think I'm the big balls because I keep getting really good marks on my assessments because I'm using my personal experience and my answers. You have to do like little mini essays for the last few questions of every assessment. And I'm like, yes, through my cancer diagnosis, I've started taking frankincense every day. Yes, I now use peppermint for my headaches, even though I have brain cancer. 
Yes, I use lavender every night to go to sleep. Yes, I take lemon oil in my water every single morning. You know, like I, I'm actually really, really, really into these essential oils so much so that I want to learn about it, get certified in it and share it with everybody else. I have now become a wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils because I just believe so much in their purity and the benefits that they have. Just, I'm so passionate about changing things for the better for children, for families, for society as a whole, for mental health. I just find all of this so interlinked and I just can't believe that everybody isn't talking about this. Everybody doesn't care about this at the very top of their radar because really if we aren't all connecting and caring about each other, like what else is there? My little Instagram page is called Behind the Rainbow because this year after my diagnosis and throughout my treatment, I've just completely realized behind the rainbow and that is our emotions, that is all the colors, the spectrum of our feelings, emotions, ups and downs, ins and outs, relationships, life. Behind the rainbow, all there is, is love. So, of course, those people that have been there on this whole journey through my life, the ups and downs, they're the perfect people. My family, my friends, to say a little word about me, before I get into the crux of it and before we scratch the surface. I've worked in uh, neurosurgery and neurology for quite a few years now and I've nursed so many patients that have uh, gone through treatment for brain tumours but it's so different seeing it up close and personal about how grueling the treatment is, how hard it is on your emotions and I just can't believe how amazing Tara has been through all of it. She really has just shown bravery every single day um, and her positivity and her get up and go is just fantastic. When I think of Tara I think of a jet setter who travels the world, I think of a free spirit and I think of someone who loves her family and friends more than anything. She has overcome so much and she has shown such strength, such positivity. To be honest, I'm totally in awe of who she is and her courage to oversee all this. And I know I'm not being biased and I know there's so many people feel the same. But I have to say I'm the proudest mother there is. It's a well-known saying that people come into your life for a reason. And Tara came under mine to show me strength, determination and positivity. Tara inspires me every day. My big wee sis truly sees us every day, never actually letting a single one pass her by. Sometimes that means she's digging deep inside and examining her own health and doing exactly what her body needs to heal. And sometimes, more often, that's out living life to the full. Tara is that friend you will laugh with at the silliest of things until you feel like you can't breathe. 
Tara is that friend you cry at everything cute or remotely lovely because you are both emotional wrecks. Tara is that friend who is always up for the last minute weirdest and wildest adventure. Tara is one of the most positive, resilient, interesting, fun, enthusiastic people that I know. Tara is such a lovely, bubbly person. She's the life and soul of any room she goes into when she's on form. Um, so for example, if you're at a party and everything's a bit quiet and people are having their own individual conversations and the party needs to get started, Tara will start the party. She'll have people up dancing, stamping on their feet on the floor, singing away, having a sing song. Just always a great person to be around with such an infectious enthusiasm for life. Her hugs are pretty special too because her long limbs could almost wrap around you twice and make you feel really loved. That friend who accepts and loves everyone for who they really are. Tara is that friend who calls out bullshit when she sees it. What I love about Tara is that you'll come away from any time spent with her having one, laugh so much, your stomach hurts, two, feel re-energised about life and that you should set your goals up and know what you're doing, three, just this overwhelming thankfulness that you've got such amazing friends, and four, yeah, sister from another mister. I feel like friends are for the family you choose and I just come away from every time I'm with Tara just being thankful. Love of life and amazing positivity, seeing the minute that you meet him and a warmth, like so, so welcoming to everyone. Her absolute passion, uh, like superhuman passion for the things that she believes in. And for me, I get so, so, so drawn in by that and could just sit and watch and observe and listen to her while she talks about all the wonderful things that she really truly believes in and the message that she wants to spread across the world. Now, as I say, it's not normal person passion. It even goes beyond the passion that Gordon Ramsay has for like food. This is serious passion. Her long, long limbs be flailing about, all four of them flailing about as she's telling you. Those massive big blue eyes get wider and wider. It looks like they're about to pop out of her head and her voice gets even more excited like this. Funniest thing is just she's so enthusiastic. You could tell it, you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to buy a loaf of bread on the way home. And she's like, oh, my God, really? What loaf? What what size? You know, she's just so um, enthusiastic and wants to know everything in every detail about what you tell her. Brave and courageous. Super llama, tripper llama. And perfect people skills. Tara is someone who takes great pride in her work and loves young people and helping them change their lives. Like, I've never met someone before who just gets so, so much out of helping other people and genuinely loving seeing other people succeed and loving seeing other people's happiness. You can just see, like, the big smile on Tara's face when someone else is happy. She is genuinely the most selfless person. I have ever met. Tara has been through it this past year but yet you know when I meet up with her or whatever she's always like but what about you what about you <laughs> she's just such a lovely person. I've like gone for it it's insane you know podcasts the Instagram your oils you know ref reflexology reiki you've tried absolutely everything like 
during COVID, you've done so much and then never mind everything you've gone through on top of that. You know, learn a lot about yourself. You've inspired others so, so much. I'm so proud of you. Tara has encouraged me to practice self-care, to slow down and to think about my health as a holistic picture. That includes the physical and the mental health side. She has opened up my mind to different things such as meditation, oils and blends, batch flowers and yummy healthy teas such as Tulsi teas and turmeric teas. She's always encourages me to go and live my very best life and do things for me, things that make me happy. Unsure about going there or on that trip or should I or shouldn't I. Always have this little voice in my head and it's Tara saying, treat yourself, go for it, you deserve it. What's the worst that can happen? At least it's a story to tell. A lighthearted, free-spirited hippie who's running around a field somewhere with grass in her hair and just loving life. Um, she always focuses on friends and she's just always up in the clouds. That's what I think of when I think of Tara. Favourite things about Tara is how much she has shared, starting with sharing her knowledge throughout A-levels and university. Tara really helped a lot of people and I know a lot of people will agree with me whenever I say this. She helped a lot of people with their assignments, would have sat up to 5 or 6am marking and making corrections for them and really cared even more more than, than they did. Tara shared her money. If Tara had £20, we all had a pound each. I don't know how many holidays that we went on and we came back and I owed her so much money. Even in our trips away, Tara would be ringing um, the Northern Bank asking to extend her, her overdraft. And that wasn't just for her, that was for both of us. Tara shared her amazing, cool mum. Um, Tara's house was the go-to place whenever we were growing up and teenagers. That's where you would have went and got whatever you want it made for you. Tara's mum was sure to be there bringing in sandwiches, drinks, whatever. So yeah, Tara just never, it was never enough for just Tara to succeed. Whatever she had, she shared with everyone. Is that friend you will sit with until 5am, sipping on wine and having epiphanies about changing the world for the better? Particularly in the last year, I've really, really missed all the little, I feel like we have so many fun little adventures here, there and every, every single time she'd come over to London or even thinking of any other time we would have. Whenever we lived in Manchester or even up in Newcastle or any other holiday, I can't pinpoint one specific memory that I love because there's just so many. I've about a hundred things. Um probably in a day that make me laugh and think of you Tara. Or when I'm packing a bag for the day, I always think, right, what do I need? And I always laugh because you're always bringing out these big massive Mary Poppins style handbags that would cover you for like a day away to a flipping four week trip that has absolutely everything in it. Uh, but most of all, I literally always laugh. I can't call out a chippy order without finishing it with, ugh, and a wee sausage. Going back down from Kelowna, and like learning all about G, like remember the chats we had driving down the car, like love that was like, you made the journey go so fast because you were just talking shite the whole way down and just getting, was getting to, know, getting to know each other. And that's where we really bonded that day. I remember thinking this girl is just such a ray of sunshine. So fun, so easy along with, and someone I just knew I had to have in my life. Always wanting to go somewhere and do things and just be generally really, fun and inspiring and 
spontaneous as well. The night before my hen party, verge of being cancelled. Through my tears, I received a video of Tara zooming around Tesco with a trolley full of drinks, screeching about how much of an amazing weekend we were going to have. To me, this epitomises Tara. She turns every situation into a positive experience, never says no, and lives life to the fullest. I'm so grateful for that weekend and for every other moment spent with Tara. Tara is that friend who you call... If you're locked out or if your house or feel like you have no one to turn to, a friend that inspires you to follow your dreams and be the very best version of yourself, who you know is going to achieve great things in her life and be an inspiration to others. She's a native of Ballycastle and brings with her no hassle. She's spent many years travelling afar and her name means star. She's a really solid friend and makes a mean oil blend. She's made me one to help me sleep. And in no time I'm counting sheep. She's bright like a rainbow and her aura is a glow. She's always telling us what's true. And to look to the inner you. She says believe in yourself and with that will come emotional wealth. She's my big inspiration and with some meditation. She'll encourage us to stop rushing about and having self-doubt. She's about being still in the mind and having our chakras aligned. She'll help you stop the worry and is now about making vegetable curry. She's cut out the meat and all of the sweet treats. She'll encourage you to be happy and I'm going to get sappy. She's such great crack and I love her to the moon and back. Just one of those kind of people that you just really love spending your time with. She has a dose at times, but sure. <laughs> I love Tara. She makes me laugh all the time. Especially whenever she says, can we do wee pics of the Chinese, which is code for can I take a little bit of everybody's dish and she knows that gives me anxiety, but I love her anyway. Most importantly, when I think of Tara, I think of the friend in my life who has been there the most for me. No matter what she has going on herself, she always manages to show up and take an interest in my life. And that's a very special friend to have. Tara is that friend that will be there for you during your darkest hour, who hugs you when you cry and helps you see your worth. That is and always will be a dear friend to me and I am so proud of her every day. She has always been a little ray of sunshine and a little pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Oh, I loved it. Can't wait for more like random hilarious times like that.